This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momentum. Welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momentum, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative as always. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to edition 135 of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. Today I'm pleased to host Dr. Carlos Fuente, co-founder and vice president of innovation for Ign- a world leader in chip-level wireless antennas. Dr. Fuente was most recently the co-founder at Fractus and Fractus Antennas, where he was co-inventor of the virtual antenna, the technology that enables IoT and mobile devices to embed a tiny chip antenna component to deliver full mobile connectivity. Carlos was nominated to the European Inventor Award in 2014, named technology pioneers by the World Economic Forum in 2005, and awarded the IST Grand Prize by the European Commission in 1998. He is a proliferate inventor with over 145 patents, has co-authored 150 scientific papers, and is a professor at Barcelona Tech where he earned his PhD. He has taught graduate level courses on technology and patent management at Penn Wharton, Asade Business School, and CEIPI. Carlos, welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast today. Good day, Ken. Many, many thanks and, and, and for uh, inviting me to this talk. I'm very happy to be here with you. Yes, uh, very happy to have you as as well. Just kind of rewinding, I think uh, all of this came about uh, when you named uh, Yap Groot as uh, CEO of the company uh, several months ago. And of course, we interviewed him coming out of uh, Semtech at the time. So it's uh, it's nice to have that connection of uh, of the ecosystem all coming together. And I know you and I have had a, a few opportunities to get to know each other a bit. And I tell you, I came away just extremely impressed with your background background and your knowledge of the space. So um, um, I'm very happy that we have the opportunity to uh, to do this. So let's, uh, let's start off with uh, your professional um, leadership journey overall, what I like to call the digital industry leadership journey. What, what would you consider to be the, the red thread or common elements that make up that journey? Um, well, that's, that's a very good question, Ken. Uh, because uh, looking back and, and putting things into perspective, sometimes you, you think, how, how <laughs> did I end up doing uh, this uh, founding Ignion, Fractus, and, and, and on all that, okay? And it's probably two common themes that, that, that have been there for uh, forever in my life. One is curiosity, and, and the second probably is uh, passion for innovation, okay? Uh, as per curiosity, I always had a uh, strong motivation to understand how things work. And this is how, uh, probably how I became a scientist. And I became very intrigued and, and very attracted by understanding the laws of physics uh, and the laws of electromagnetics. In particular, this is how, how I became um, into the antenna space and into the electromagnetics and RF uh, world. Uh, later to understand how humans and how people and how society works. And probably this is why I, I, I became into, into the area of business as well. 
And and again, in addition, uh, in addition to curiosity, this um, interest, this passion for innovation. So, so really uh, being attracted for discovering and creating new things and and finding problems that have always been there and that people have been trying to solve before and, and making something useful with uh, with them. So that's probably what uh, curiosity and, and, and this passion for innovation, what turned me into a scientist and, and then to uh, an entrepreneur as well. You um, coming out of your electrical engineering studies in Catalonia and, and the U.S., you did your postgraduate work um, in the mid-90s in areas of fractal antennas, which I love the topic, laser and LIDAR. And 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 recall, you know, while all of us know these terms these days because of autonomous vehicles and, and, you know, such technologies, at the time, this was pretty novel stuff and uh, and maybe a bit esoteric, one might say. What, uh, what inspired you to go into to this direction at that time? Um, well, as you said, well, it's it's not that it was not that known. It's, this didn't exist, okay? And, and, and as everything, with every innovation, every invention, someone needs to, 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 to find it. And uh, it was actually, uh, everything started because I had a very inspiring professor at the UPC, at Barcelona Tech, when I was a telecom engineering student, student in the in the 90s in uh, in Barcelona, and this uh, professor, antenna professor, was explaining me as a student sitting there in class how difficult it was to to make multi-band or multi-wavelength antennas, and how difficult it was to shrink the size of an antenna as a matter of physics. And this is how, while sitting there in class, I had the idea of using fractals to uh, to to solve uh, this problem. Fractals is just a, a class of geometry, uh, mathematical concept that I was exposed to during my studies, studies, and that has been used in science for many many uh, applications. And I, I thought, well, maybe with uh, using fractals, I could uh, solve this 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 problem. And, and this just became an idea. Uh, and later, actually, uh, when I finished my, my degree at Barcelona Tech, and I joined the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign to do a Master of Science program in the field of uh, telecom engineering as well, particularly in the field of uh, photonics. I thought that photonics was going to be with uh, the future, with lasers, optical communications, fiber optics, and so on. But somehow, uh, in the middle of that, I decided to keep the antenna research a little bit just for fun. And this is how I met Professor Paul Mays at the University of Illinois, who was a, a well-known scientist in the antenna field. And I had to, the chance to share my ideas of using fractals to make antennas. And, and he became enthusiastic about the idea, and he encouraged me a lot to do research in that field. And this is how I started to do that. At the beginning, just for fun, just uh, for a scientific curiosity, uh, as a student um, there, and 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 later, uh, that thing that uh, I started making research for fun, uh, I had some of my first publications in the scientific field, and and it became all of a sudden a trending topic in the science world, 
and all scientists in the antenna field all over the world started to make research in the field of fractal antennas. And that became the seat of Fractus, the first company we founded in back in 1999, and also the seat of uh, what Ignion is uh, today in the IoT world. Very good. I love the uh, story, starting from sitting in a classroom, coming up with a big idea, and then uh, evolving this over time, really based in science, which is great. Um, so as you mentioned, you've, you co-founded Fractus in 1999. What problem were you really trying to solve, and, and for whom? Uh, well, that's, that's interesting, because I was explaining before, um, uh, everything started with a non-mission research. Uh, there wasn't a purpose in making a research in fractal antennas. It was just a curiosity and a challenge that was there, uh, waiting for someone to solve it. And, and uh, when I started making the research uh, at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and later at the UPC back when I came back to, to join the faculty of the Barcelona Tech in the, in the 90s, um, that technology didn't have any particular application beyond solving a, a technical challenge, making small antennas and making multiband antennas. However, it happened that by that time, also in the mid-90s, uh, mobile telephony started to boom. And that happened uh, in Europe, in the US, with the first digital generation of mobile phones, the 2G. And that was with the, the times of GSM and CDMA. Um, well, many people would not remember that because it was a long time ago, but this is how uh, mobile phones started becoming popular. And, and uh, the, the mobile telephony uh, market was growing so fast that carriers and, and, and phone makers had a huge problem because there was not spectrum in the single band system that, had, that they had deployed with 2G. They had no spectrum to allocate the new subscribers. And this is how they, they realized that they had to open a second frequency band for all these subscribers. But there was uh, many problems around that, and one of them was the antenna. Uh, at that time, remember, people would uh, have a pull-out antenna in the external part of the phone, and you had to pull out the antenna to, to speak. And, and, and those were single-band antennas. So the question became, are we going to put like two antennas on, on over the phone and having to pull out those two uh, every time we speak to, to, to find uh, the first frequency band or the second frequency band with one antenna or the other? Um, of course, that was not a solution. And, and the same for base stations. People were scared to see so many base stations around there and, and, and having uh, uh, those uh, antennas radiating uh, all over the cities in one frequency band. So people was not willing to see more antennas uh, in the landscape. And this is how uh, this problem of helping uh, the digital world, the mobile communications to grow through new frequency bands became a market problem and in parallel, we had this technology that started as a non-mission research and as a curiosity that all of a sudden had a solution for that problem. And this is how we, we realized that creating Fractus uh, back in 1991, 1999, sorry, was a, a great opportunity. 
um, a great opportunity to address this 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 market uh, need with this new technology. So classic uh, being prepared and being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> it is, uh, it so is a classic yeah. entrepreneur story. Not easy to do, but mind you, but uh, you, you really uh, seem to hit that timing uh, well. What, uh, what were some of your uh, wins at Fractus at the time? Well, um, when we started Fractus, um, it was the times where uh, the, the mobile telephony world was starting to transition from 2G to 3G and new frequency bands were going to be rolled out and were going to be licensed. Uh, that was the times where first uh, Spain, then Germany, UK, European countries and the US became crazy about licensing and having those bids for the new spectrum for the new generations of mobile telephony. And uh, our first main success was to get a contract from Telefonica, uh, one of the leading carriers around the world and the leading carrier in, the, in, in Spain by that time. Telefonica was uh, uh, the first uh, carrier to deploy a major 3G network in, in, uh, in, in Europe. Uh, and, and they had to have these antennas that would combine in a single mast, in a single antenna unit, both 2G and 3G, the frequency band of 2G and 3G. So they found uh, in, on us uh, uh, the right antenna products, and this is how we roll out the first major uh, 3G network in, in Europe with thousands of our, our antennas based on the technology we had created at the company. Okay? But then we, we went for cell phones as well. Because again, the cell phones also needed multiband antennas, and in addition, they needed multiband antennas that had to be small enough to be f uh, fit inside the phone, and and, and getting uh, getting away from the external uh, uh, part of the phone, which is was inconvenient for for many for many reasons. And this is how we started to to apply our technology to cell phones as well. And, and it happened to be that within the period of 2000 to 2015, about over 90% of the mobile phones and smartphones worldwide use fractal-based uh, antennas that had the, the, the grounds on our technology, the technology that we had created and, and, and patented. And this is how the company uh, licensed its technology to most of the uh, cell phone makers and, and uh, around the world, including companies like Samsung, LG, Motorola, HTC, BlackBerry, Sanyo, Kyocera, Sharp, and many and many many others. Uh, about every phone maker would uh, use a, a Fractus license uh, antenna component into their phones. So uh, no small impact. And uh, for most of the rest of us, that would have been enough to button up a professional career and uh, and, and retire uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Barcelona somewhere. But okay. you went on to, I'd say, make it, you know, a, an equally large leap when you co-founded Fractus Antenna in 2015, focus on the virtual antennas. Tell us a bit about this technology leap. Um, well, it's, it's again about this uh, passion for innovation and by, by, by facing 
challenges, technical challenges, but also market needs. And this is how, once we had a license to to uh, about the entire industry with fra uh, uh, fractal, fractus and uh, fractal antenna related technology, um, we we realized that there were still problems to address. So, and there was a very clear. Uh, inconvenient on the previous generation of uh, fractal-related technologies, which, is, which was that uh, that technology was optimal from the antenna perspective, but you had to uh, make a custom design, a very specific design for every phone model, for every smartphone that came out there. So. And that meant that you had to to make a very substantial investment in R and D for every product that came out into the market, and and that also meant that you could not benefit of uh, economies of scale because the the product you would design for one phone model would not could not be reused for the next phone uh, model, and and this was a pain. And actually, this is how Fractus became a licensing company, uh, a company that mostly licensed his technology and let the phone makers to, to do their antennas without technology in, 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 in their phones, okay? But at the same time, uh, while, while trying to face that problem, we came out with, with uh, uh, a new generation, the virtual antenna. And, and the aim after this uh, virtual antenna was, was to, to, uh, to find an antenna component that was off the shelf, so like a chip, and and could fit, and it would be so small that it could fit in about every device without any kind of customization. And and this is how we uh, was. This is exactly what uh, virtual antenna became. And 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 the challenge was that apparently uh, this was against the laws of physics, because people would believe that making an antenna so small, and at the same time making multiband and capable of covering all communication standards what was just not feasible as a matter of physics okay but uh, but we did it and we did it because uh, if you interpret the laws of physics correctly uh, you you realize that with this new technology you can ignite the radiation coming out from from uh, from uh, from the uh, device itself and get connectivity as you need uh, with all the uh, communication standards that you need as well. I think you've already done a great lead into uh, the next question because uh, I'm pleased to probably be one of the first to discuss your new branding, which by the time this airs will already be out in the market. But all of this has culminated with this rebranding of uh, Ignion just a few weeks ago. Well, actually just now, and it will be a few weeks now. But what does the new brand mean to your company and mission? Well, uh, first, first of everything, I mean, there is the... Ignion work uh, connects to the to the physics of these virtual antenna uh, chips, and and again, um, the trick uh, beyond this uh, technology, the reason why we can make uh, our chips ten times smaller than any previous uh, generation of antennas, including fractals, is because these these uh, chip antenna components are. Uh, responsible of igniting the radiation process from actually the entire device. 
So it's the entire device with all its size that that uh, produces the radiation, all the radiation that the, that the, the device needs and, and, and it was uh, connectivity. And this is a completely different principle and a completely different uh, um, uh, uh, technology that has no no relation with it, with uh, w- with the previous technology. Okay, and then we had to find the name and, and Ignion somehow reflects to that. In addition to this, Ignion also has a connection uh, to the explosion of uh, market verticals, applications, solutions that are joining the uh, IoT revolution. And that are making that are making and will make everything connected to the cloud, and this connection always needs uh, uh, an antenna because it's quite curious that sometimes people forget that there is no wireless if the, there isn't an antenna. The, the, the antenna is a centric component in every wireless connectivity application, and this is how these uh, tiny uh, chips uh, from Ignion. Uh, uh, help in this explosion of of uh, of uh, of applications and 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 communication standards and that are going to happen and are happening today in the IoT world. Yeah, where one may measure cell phones in the you know the the, the millions per se. Um, when you talk about IoT devices, it's always begins in the billions, and uh, and so um, again, being in the right place at the right time with the right preparation has positioned you well for this. And we, as you know, we're big fans of low power wide area networks. Um, Particularly the unlicensed spectrum like uh, LoRaWAN and uh, and licensed like um, you know 5G NB-IoT, if you will, and so it's uh, it's no wonder that you'd hire somebody with the caliber of Yap Groot coming from Semtech and and Sigfox, who clearly has a background in that space, and that probably says an awful lot about you know where you guys see as the uh, the greatest growth challenges. You uh, you mentioned the explosion, I guess, of um, I'll call it wireless connectivity. What would you know your own forecast be for the next decade in terms of key trends to uh, to watch for and ones maybe you're preparing for? Well, I mean, it's always difficult to, to predict what, what will happen. And analysts and, and scientists sometimes are trying very much to, to, to do that, okay? Well, it looks quite clear, it's, uh, and everyone concise that, that uh, by 2025, there will be about 25 billion uh, connected smart uh, devices uh, to the cloud, and and that uh, it's quite clear that um, the vast majority of them will be connected wirelessly. So so and that means again uh, an antenna, and it's quite uh, uncertain uh, what kind of. Uh, Connectivity standards they will be using, and uh, and it's quite uh, uh, probable. Uh, it's quite. It will probably be the, the case that that actually it's a combination of them. So it will be, of course, um, the uh, the um, the unlicensed spectrum for low power uh, wide area network like like LoRa, Sigfox, uh, uh, and so on, and also Wi-Fi. And this is how, how YAP. Uh, while uh, 
got enthusiastic with the project and decided to to, to join us. Okay, but of course there is also a, a lot of uh, applications that would be based on, on cellular connectivity, uh, and 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 that means uh, 4G today, but 5G and and whatever G you might mention, you might think in 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 the future, and 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 the nice thing is that. From the nine perspective, we don't care. I mean, uh, our antennas will be there because they can, a tiny chip can can be used to connect at any of those. So you can use the chip to have connectivity at uh, LoRa, but you can have connectivity at uh, LTM Cat1 or any other 5G standard. Same component can make the connectivity at the two. And it's small enough to be inside any device. So, so this is how we we foresee uh, the future. So billions and billions of devices connected, all of them using an antenna, a multiband and small antenna to connect uh, to the cloud. So multi-spectrum, multi-modal. Um, I know you sit on top of a software-defined radio, but I guess it'd be uh, it'd be fair to call you a software-defined antenna or connectivity. <laughs> Right. Well, that's 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 clearly that's interesting because that's uh, clearly in our vision and 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 we believe that uh, uh, through these flexible and versatile components, at the end, the engineers and, and solution suppliers will be capable of connecting everything to uh, through any standard and and just something that you configure through the through the software. That's 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 perfectly correct. Mm. I um I noted your company, of course, has been sponsored by the EU, specifically uh, Horizon 2020 program, and and actually as of this week, and as we're recording this, the EU has just announced a new what they call an European Investment Council program, driving direct investment and and interesting enough acceleration programs now for the next wave of uh, European technology startups. What has uh, your experience been working with the EU, and and you know what would you advise startups considering taking you know early investment? Investment, perhaps in this new program. Uh, the experience was has been uh, fantastic. I mean, uh, um, as 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 we have been discussing, I mean, all this research, all this innovation comes from ideas that happen years ahead from the problem. The problem comes later, or, or the. Let's say the real life problem. That is the the, the, the technical challenge. That is the the scientific challenge out there. But sometimes there is no real life application to that. And and um, these promising technologies, these promising startups, need some funding to cross what is called the valley of death in in uh, and uh, making. Uh, now, this, uh, for instance, with uh, quantum uh, computing and, and and many other technologies, I mean, there needs to be a huge investment to be done in in R and D to bring that technology uh, to take that technology from the labs to the market, and and the European program, in particular Horizon 2020, as, as you mentioned, has been extremely useful. Because not only it funded uh, basic research, but but it funded uh, really the whole process of bringing that fundamental research from the lab to the markets. So the complete journey, 
and and this has been uh, extremely useful for a for a company like us, and it is string. It should be extremely useful for a startup company uh, based uh, in Europe. And I, I I would strongly recommend entrepreneurs and, and business leaders in that space, that innovative space, to take a close look to the to the European Union program and, uh, and apply. Uh, to to a program that they will find useful for uh, for for their, their companies, and of course, a second recommendation I would give to these uh, companies is to file patents. Okay, because as it happened to be in our company, uh, if you need to uh, survive and succeed in a in a highly competitive technology market, patents play a key role. And, and the European Union is, is very much encouraging also uh, companies to move into that direction. Clearly, you're a believer, uh, having filed 145 yourself. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'd say yeah. that that is definitely a believer. So, I, I, you you left out the, your third recommendation, though, and that that is uh, being headquartered in Barcelona and the advantages of uh, living both in that wonderful region and uh, and country. What uh, what makes Barcelona a great place for startups? Um, well, that's that's uh, a good question, um, uh, which is difficult for me because for me it's so obvious because I've always been been living here. Well, I have been living in the U.S. as well, which is uh, uh, an amazing place for for uh, for entrepreneurs, for creators, and inventors, and, and this is a very inspiring area. But uh, in a way, uh, Barcelona also is a place which has influence from many cultures and has always had influence from many cultures and civilizations and, 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 and uh, hosting people from all over the world. And, and yes, some of them come because of the great weather and the great, great food, <laughs> but it's, it's, that's, that always helps. But it's, it's not that, it's, it's actually at the end the people uh, the people here, but also the people uh, coming from all over the world, uh, that will find here a place uh, that is open and respectful and uh, welcoming to the ideas of others and, and encouraging people to, to, to start their projects here and, and let them um, uh, projects flourish. And this is probably why uh, surveys made by the Financial Times, The Economist, and uh, many other sources uh, rank Barcelona uh, among the top 10, top 20 tech hubs uh, all over the world and, and uh, among the top five in, in Europe. So, so I would say to the entrepreneurs and to the creators all over the world that they are very welcome to come to Barcelona. They will have fun. They will have the time of their lives, and they will have all the tools they need to 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 uh, to start their their ventures. Well said. The uh, of course uh, the 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 region is famous for having been uh, explorers, you know, to quote unquote the new world, and uh, you certainly continue that explorer uh, mindset and culture there uh, in the new world of technology. So, um, when you're not busy, you know, creating the next big thing uh, in terms of uh, uh, technologies, uh, what what do you do that personally inspires you? Think you know books or people or events or things like that. Well, um, I mean, everything that relates to uh, solving problems, creating new things, and, and, and helping to make 
in a way or contributing to make a better world, not only in the field of uh, science, but in terms of uh, society. I'm a professor and, and I love teaching uh, and, and engaging with the students and, and challenging them and being challenged by them as well. So that keeps me always uh, uh, fresh and active and exposed to, to new ideas and, 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 and new trends. And my kids do that. Uh, my kids are on the 20s now, and, and I learn a lot from them. And it's, and it's great to be close with family and friends. At the end, I mean, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and scientists, we are normal people. We enjoy being with family, we enjoy being with, with friends, we enjoy, we, we enjoy being on, on vacations, which is hard these days with the pandemics being close to friends and family and that's painful but but there is hope and there is hope because there are some believers out there <laughs> that uh, someday started to to uh, make research in an area where uh, nobody uh, was uh, looking and 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 they came out with these new great technologies that today enable uh, these wonderful vaccines that will make our life, hopefully, hopefully, our lives much, much easier. And we all can have a normal life uh, with uh, uh, friends and family as usual. Okay, hopefully. <laughs> And uh, I uh, second that hopefully, and uh, hopefully as we're uh, we're putting this uh, this recording together, it looks like the light clearly is at the end of the tunnel here. So, uh, thank God, um, Dr. Fuente. Thank you so much for this insightful interview today. Thank you very much, Ken, for for the, for interviewing us, for for uh, helping us explaining our our story and and. and and our company and and we are very happy to to be part of this uh, podcast and this uh, program that you are running thank you very much ken oh and thank you it's uh, it's a pleasure to feature one of the uh, invisible guiding hands behind uh, the the market and uh, i clearly believe you guys have already made a a large impact and are prepared to even make a greater one going forward so we're uh, pleased to be part of your uh, your ecosystem uh, this has been dr carlos fuente co-founder and vice president of innovation at ignion and if i may say a lifelong practitioner in curiosity and passion Thank you for listening, and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you, Ken. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts and webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.